All right, everyone, I want you to stand up right now. Take out your phones. Take a selfie with your neighbor. It's time to get social. Welcome to the 6th of May 28 recap episode of the Yachting Room podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone and joining me as ever is the Canadian who never struggles to carry his weapon over the finish line in under 90 seconds, Logan Saunders. Morning. And it's a very special podcast because it is Logan's 100th. Yes, I made Yay. it to the 100 mark. Uh, uh, we've come a long way, Michael, come a long way from the very first podcast for the, well, I think it was the Maze and Race 23 finale, where I think I had the podcast at... 2.30 in the morning my time, and there was like four or five of us all in the room together. Yeah, we've come a long way since giggling repeatedly at the Black family. I think that podcast could have been about 15 minutes shorter if it wasn't for me and you just laughing on the audio while Michelle was trying to talk. 15? 50. It was three hours long, Logan. I reckon we could have cut out about an hour just of us giggling about the uh, the Black family. And, uh, yeah, well, it all, I mean, that whole podcast was originally born out of the idea of there not really being any other uh, audio material on the internet that really uh, resonated with me or my taste overall. So that's why we kind of started this little tiny independent podcast that continues to be tiny and independent uh, for the most part. And continues to earn none of us any money. Correct. So I haven't earned a single dollar. I even... I, I, we have like five donate buttons that randomly appear on the YouTube links as we go along, and we still get nothing. Uh, what's what's the deal with that? I mean, and we're actually losing money by setting up those PayPal accounts uh, each month. So, previously, eight teams continued racing through Chamonix in France. At the first active route info of the season, Ashley's lead and her clue both fell through her fingers, and then at the detail, her and Bernie chose wrongly and fell to the back of the pack. At the roadblock, Corey and Brody competed, but when Brody stumbled, he gave Tyler and Corey the opportunity they needed, winning them the leg. Uh, in a three-way battle for last, Ashley and Sherry thawed, while Erin fell repeatedly, making her and Jocelyn the fourth team to be eliminated. And the teams must now fly to Yerevan, Armenia, and drive themselves in minivans to the Gerghard Monastery, where they can sign up for departure times in the morning. Caution, when in the monastery, teams must be silent. The most disappointing part about this round is that there's no yetis in Armenia. There's no yetis to wave the Armenian flag. In fact, that should just be the memory challenge. There should be 12 yetis set up, and they have to pick out the flags. It's a twist on the classic flag challenge. I bet you that if uh, they repeated the same task with the yeti in France as they did in Armenia, that nobody would get the Armenian flag. They would just think it's a random cluster of colours. Yeah, the past two legs have both featured flag-related tasks. I don't think anyone would have picked out the Armenian one. Is the Armenian flag, it's green and orange, isn't it? Yes, but it is a terrible question to ask me because I'm slightly colorblind. Oh, right, right. Um, I'll, Google, I'll Google this myself really quick. It is... Red, blue, and yeah, red, blue, and yellow. There is no green, and there is no orange. <laughs> do you want to do that again, Logan? <laughs> uh, 
Isn't the hey Michael? Isn't the Armenian flag red, blue, and yellow? One of the designs does look a bit orangish, though. It, oh, it does say it's orange. Maybe I'm the one that's colorblind. <laughs> when I googled it just then, I was gonna say it was orange, and you were like, "No, it's yellow." I'm Logan. I know better because I can see colors. It's sort of a, It's not like an outright orange. It's not like you know the orange you see on a skittle. It's it's like an ugly orange. Uh, it says it's the color of an apricot. That's what it says in brackets when describing the orange on the Armenian flag. You learn something new every day, Logan. Uh, this podcast is already more educational than most uh, contemporary episodes of The Amazing Race. Like, Bill didn't even introduce... A sh- like, this was the first time that Bill introduced the city of the previous pit stock. But he screwed it up. Like, he was trying to talk about Mont Blanc... But uh, I guess he had friends on the mind and pronounced it as Mont LeBlanc. How you doing, Fran? Which is especially troublesome given what he's been doing with Top Gear in the past week and causing loads of trouble by doing wheelies in front of the Cenosaph in London. Matt LeBlanc never, never, uh, never up to any good. Or is that Phil you're saying that's doing that? Yes. Yes to both of them. Did they do tandem wheelies together? No, Phil was just strapped onto the roof. Like he was doing a wing walk, but just on top of a uh, a V8 supercar or whatever it was. And to follow on from Last Leg's winter clothing, all teams get Under Armour. Yay! Has Under Armour been appeared as a sponsor since uh, Maiden Race 24 fake All-Stars? I don't think it's appeared as a sponsor officially, but it does appear a lot. There's usually at least one task, oh, one leg of season where you can see them. I hear uh, that for this round, they could have just. It would have been amusing if they swapped the uh, this green team of Tyler and Corey with uh, Brendan and Rachel, just so Brendan and Rachel could rave about Under Armour again. Social media seasons were supposed to be fun. <laughs> yeah. I hear that Rachel had to pay uh, $500 for her Twitter account. She had to pay $500 for her Twitter followers. <laughs> well, yeah, I wonder how Brendan and Rachel, they must have just been seated at home, or, or maybe they were wearing Under Armour at home, and they felt really trendy while watching uh, The Amazing Race. And do you want to talk about the incident during the overnight rest, Logan? Or do you want to just skip over it? Is this at the Gig Garden Monastery, right? Well, this is after everyone picks up their tags to go for the next morning, yeah. Did you notice when Kurt and Brody were doing the, were trying to learn about Armenia? I think they did the, this before the overnight uh, pit stop, or the overnight rest at the monastery. Yeah, it was when they were in the airport on the way to uh, Armenia, wasn't it? And they picked up the travel guide. Oh yeah, that's right, back in uh, France there, yeah, when they were just trying to, they found a guidebook for uh, Yerevan. And they were just, you know, they were like, oh, a couple of bros learning about Caucasus culture. I mean, that was, that was, uh, I've never seen anybody that riled up about uh, Azerbaijan, Georgia, or Armenia ever in the history of anything. Oh, and you know what was really interesting is that only one racer was recognized while uh, heading into Armenia, right when they landed in the airport, and it was when that local ran up to Sherry in the airport to get a selfie with her. Yeah, everyone just gets recognized this season. I don't think we would get recognized if we were on the Amazing Race on an international season together. Well, except for Jessica and Brittany, I don't think anybody recognized them. But uh, everyone else, you know, good on them. So yeah, there's a bit of an incident that happens during the overnight rest. Oh my god, this is the craziest thing since all the Jeff and Jackie stories from Amazing Race 26. Oh. I was educating uh, Justin and Diana on 
the infamous 26 stories last night, actually, during their live stream. Oh. Especially the 26 first pit stop stories are my favourite thing ever that we found out about The Amazing Race. And they hadn't heard it. So I had to explain what happened. Oh, they didn't know about... Or I think was what did Mike, Mike and Rochelle refer to it online as? They <laughs> the referred Jack to it as Jack. The, the Jack Shack, yes. Where there was anime porn, I guess, at the first pit stop of Amazing Race 26. We're not making this up. This is actually true. If you go back to podcast number 78, Small Town Podcasting, we actually do ask them about this, about the Jack Shack, and whether the rumour of the pit stop taking place in a Japanese internet cafe frequented by businessmen looking at anime porn was correct. And they said yes. And they said the shower drains and stuff were just disgusting in there too, which is so disturbing on so many levels. I think Rochelle said she didn't have a shower that day. (sighs) Jesus. That's when you know budget cuts are, are across the board when that's where they house you for the first pit stop. Yeah, Jeff and Lida missed out on that. Yeah, they had to go straight to a resort uh, probably in Spain somewhere. Anyways, the crazy thing about this season with the social media stars is, is it's supposed to be really family friendly. But this is Brody, Blair, and some other random local who gets in on the action. And it's the first ever Amazing Race threesome during the overnight... Uh, during the overnight rest before the rest of the leg starts up. Yeah, didn't Dana confirm on Twitter that it was just a local? Yeah, um, you know, from a couple of weeks ago where Dana said, oh, those chess players on the bench were CBS plants. Well, the CBS plants apparently apply to threesomes as well, because that third person involved was just somebody from uh, CBS, I guess, that was brought in just to increase ratings. So once teams get their clues in the monastery... Uh, they must now head to the ancestral home of the Kardashian family to find their next clue. Did you know, uh, Michael, that I had no idea who the Kardashians were until, uh, I think it was called We Made You, and he made some random uh, joke about the Kardashians. And I'm thinking, who are the Kardashians? Like, what's the basis to the lyrics? And then I looked it up, and then, boom! Apparently, they are have been famous for a long time. To be fair, it's still the 1990s in Canada. It is. I mean, we're still watching. We're, I mean, we're trying to introduce ourselves to the whole Jenner and Kardashian ancestry by, uh, or in terms of reality television, by watching episodes of Princes of Malibu, which have uh, just started airing uh, just over the past couple of months. The People vs. O.J. Simpson is a documentary in some parts of Canada. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, we just, uh, you know, Cuba Gooding Jr. just uh, didn't really take off too well as an actor here. Everyone everyone thinks he's the real deal. It's a police recreation, the uh, the People versus O.J. Simpson, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they, you know, the Goldman, it's the, it's the actual Goldmans that are in it. On a serious note, though, that was like the first reality reality show I ever watched where it wasn't competitive at all. It was just... Uh, just following stupid people in their 20s, which some people out there probably refer to our podcast as. But uh, this, I think it aired probably 16 years ago. Like I was like, I think, 9 or 10 years old when I was watching it. After getting into every competitive reality show ever that was being made in 2000, 2001. So anyways, I remember watching the two or three episodes and thinking, wow, this is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. And I've never followed any reality show that has any resemblance. And I was 10 at the time. 10 and i thought it was stupid and then the mole existed and logan got obsessed i think the mole might have already existed by then because that was 2001 i believe the mole always exists in my heart 
It, it does, especially especially in Dutch in, in Dutch hearts, it always exists. Exactly, it's still the most popular program in Holland by a mile. Oh, yeah. the one time that I envy the Dutch. But you don't have to envy them, Logan. You can just watch it. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, I will. I will. I'll watch an episode today, and I'll tell you all about it. Um, Finally. But uh, yeah, with with Princess of Malibu, I thought, oh, there's no way that genre is going to take off. And then you know, you fast forward seven years later, and you've got The Hills. You know, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. You have all this other crap that I completely ignore, but yet millions of other people don't. And to jump on the bandwagon, we're going to the ancestral Kardashian house. <sighs> The Masonry is trying way too hard to be trendy with everything, with Twitter, with social media stars, and now we have freaking Kardashians in it. Like, what the hell, guys? What the hell? So, once teams get to the ancestral home of the Kardashian family, uh, it's a roadblock which is who is really keeping up with the locals. And in this roadblock, one team member must match a series of facts about each Kardashian to cutouts of their faces. Uh, whilst they complete this task, their partner is punished in another room by having to listen to the 2016 version of Tiny Bubbles from The Mole 2, which is a Kanye West TED Talk which has been slowed down and sped up randomly. And it is... Uh, Tyler, Kurt, Ashley, Dana, Scott, Sherry, and Zach doing this roadblock. It's crazy that this happened, considering just a couple of rounds ago they were in Geneva. I mean, this. Te- I mean, l- listening to Kanye West in this manner, uh, I think violates the Geneva Convention. Yeah, I would agree. But no one really has that much trouble at this task. I mean, Scott swears when he realizes what it is. In fact, I would call it the the nearest thing we've had to Rupert Bonham style. Who the fuck voted for me? Yeah, Scott, he was like threatening the judge of the task with physical violence when he couldn't quite match up the facts. He was throwing, dropping F-bombs. I mean, I mean, I know, I know the amazing race can be grueling, but <laughs> this is just taking it to a whole new level. Like his face was ready. Looked like, uh, looked like a cartoon character that eats something really spicy and doesn't realize it. And then they have the smoke coming out of their ears. That's what he was looking like. Yeah, he really regretted not letting Blair do that roadblock. I think he went on Twitter saying that some of it was a bit edited, but come on, he dropped the C-bomb on the amazing race. So, Tyler and Corey leave the roadblock in first, with Kurt and Brody in second, uh, Dana and Matt in third, Scott and Blair in fourth, uh, Zach and Rachel in fifth, Sherry and Cole in sixth, and Bernie and Ashley in last. Can we go with Zach for a minute? Yeah, I was going to mention that later, but uh, spoilers for later, Zach ends up getting a penalty for trying to read the judge's mind and using magic. Yeah, he, I don't think he had a wand with him. I think it was more like telekinesis. But yeah, he was trying to use magic during the task, which is a huge no-no if you look in the Amazing Race rules. Uh, I know that he'll get penalized later at the pit stop for this, which we'll get to in a bit. Uh, so the detour is the first ever sponsored detour, which is Arm or Hammer. And in Arm, teams must run through a training exercise that simulates what Armenian soldiers went through in the Cold War, whilst arm themselves with weapons that were used at the time. Uh, once they cross the finish line of the course in under 90 seconds, they receive their next clue. And in Hammer, teams must use a hammer to break through hundreds of boxes of Arm and Hammer baking soda uh, to find one that contains the yellow ribbon that they can exchange for their next clue. Uh, and Bernie and Ashley get a bit lucky at Hammer, because they find the... First date night card in a year. Yeah, this is this is going back to the Amazing Race 26. I thought ultimately that the twist failed, but it's neat to see it here as a one-time thing. I mean, it would be hilarious if some of the other teams got the date night card. 
but I'm glad that it was Bernie and Ashley who got it. Uh, if, if it was anybody else, it would have been pretty awkward. Just a couple of bros getting a date night card. Yeah. After, you know, after the overnight rest period where I think it was Brody who said, it's just a couple of bros being promiscuous. Oh, I'm really disappointed that Brody and Kurt didn't get the date night. Yeah, they could, you know, they, they could have gone to the one of the university campuses in Yerevan and, uh, you know, tossed a disc around. And speaking of vans, it was neat that uh, this round has been a self-drive leg up to this point. Courtesy of Yerevan's Yellow Vans. was great because it was kind of a subtle ode to Chris Farley, which really balanced out the horrible, awful roadblock reference to the Kardashians. And the horrible detail reference to baking soda. Yeah, I mean, I know that the Amazing Race uh, budget is going up, you know, to have the Under Armour gear overnight, which, well, I mean, it wasn't really advertised that much, so there was probably only a little, they only had to sell out a little bit. But to have an actual Arm & Hammer baking soda detour, you know, really takes us back to some of the tasks in the Amazing Race Canada or the Amazing Race Asia, where they have to work with a smaller budget and they need to have tasks like this just to allow teams to travel around. This this worries me, Michael, for the future of the show. Yeah, they they are kind of selling out here, for want of a better term. I can sort of overlook the the product placements as long as it's not too egregious. Mm. Like, if it ends up being a 20-minute commercial, uh, but if it's just a, a subtle, like, 10-second thing, I don't mind it that much. They can be like uh, when uh, Pakistan did Survivor, and it was, and it was uh, um, Survivor presented by Mountain how it was titled and when uh, Pakistan did their lone season. That's one, of, that's one of the things that have always amused me the most. So, Tyler and Corey leave Armin first with Kurt and Brody in second, Dana and Matt in third, uh, Scott and Blair in fourth, uh, Zach and Rachel leave Hammer in fifth with Sherry and Cole in sixth and Bernie and Ashley in last. And teams must now find Victory Park, the pit stop for the flag of the race. The last team to check in here may be eliminated. Yeah, Bernie and Ashley, you know, as lucky as they got with getting the date night card, because I was in one of the boxes, uh, um, it, it took them that much longer to find the ribbon with the clue in one of the other boxes. Like, they were going through a lot of them. you think that they would have been able to find something yellow in a box, given it is their team colour. Yeah, you, uh, you think this task would just be suited for them, but that wasn't quite the case. I mean, Zach and Rachel, I mean, at least got lucky right away with them being in a, a fifth. And then sharing Cole, I mean, they. I think they started the detour slightly behind Bernie and Ashley, but uh, they managed to get lucky with buying a box as well. But Bernie and Ashley, you know, they, they were there for a long time. Do you think it's ever a good idea when you have a detour choice that involves a luck task to actually go for the luck task, or do you go for the other one where you can control your own fate? Uh, I, I Personally, I would go for the control your own fate, because, I mean, I would hate to go out of the race because I was unlucky. Because, I mean, in a task like that, that's 100% luck and zero skill and zero brain on the part of production. But here, it's like, you have the choice, don't do the luck task, unless it's, you know, a cell phone task from last season that Justin and Diana chose to do because there was only a few cell phones to pick from. So, Brody and Kurt are the first team to arrive, but because they whooped and hollered at the monastery, they get a 30-minute penalty which allows Tyler and Corey to check in first, and they win. Deep breath coming. $10,000 each, new cars, t- 1,000 Twitter followers each, and a double express pass, which they have to hand out by the end of the next leg, and they can use up to the end of leg 11. And they get to meet 
the wonderful greeters, which is Shala and Myrna. Yeah, for those who don't remember, Sharla uh, and Myrna are actually of Armenian descent, and they get to be the greeters. I mean, how awesome is that? Sharla and Myrna back together again. And Sharla doesn't even have to touch any electric fences. No, not even during the arm detour. She doesn't imagine if she had to do that, she'd be like, I've been electrocuted. Or talk to any prostitutes to try and get directions. Yeah. Uh, and Kurt and Brody end up checking in at second with Dana and Matt in third. And fourth is uh, Scott and Blair. But of course, Phil says, Blair and Blair's dad, your team number four. Hey, Michael. I know the other racers always refer, refer to him as uh, Blair, Blair and her dad, or Blair and Blair's dad. But for, for Phil to do that, it seems really unprofessional and tacky for the most part. Yeah. And uh, and it was crazy, too, that uh, I don't know if you read about this uh, too. Curtin Brody um, and some of the other teams uh, got in trouble at the monastery because we had another incident like in the Amazing Race 27 where uh, a lot of the viewers online were angry that teams wore uh, hats uh, overnight during the monastery. Like I know Curtin Brody are a bit more hipsters, so they're wearing visors and, and the online community just like you know just like in that Argentina leg uh, last year were just tearing into them. It's like. Get over yourselves, people. They didn't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite surprised after last season that they didn't actually introduce any uh, penalties for wearing hats in churches or monasteries. Just imagine if they actually did that, though. Be like, oh, you know, uh, Kern Brody, uh, we know you don't memorize every single rule about the Catholic faith and that production didn't inform you of this, but you're getting a 30-minute penalty for wearing hats in a monastery. Yeah, at least they only got the... 30-minute penalty for something that they were told explicitly not to do, which was shouting and hollering in the monastery. Yeah, or in Brody and Blair's case, uh, moaning as well. That wasn't in the monastery, though. That was uh, during the rest period, where they could actually just go back to downtown Yerevan. So, silly me, yeah. At least they, they had enough decency to not do that in the monastery. Uh, so, Zach and Rachel are the fifth team to arrive, but they get an hour penalty because Zach tried to use uh, magic during the Reblock. But it doesn't end up mattering because they check in fifth. With Sherry and Cole in sixth. And in last is Bernie and Ashley. But it is not game over for them. They have another life because it is a non-elimination leg. I was about to tweet this to Phil Kogan. Yeah, he loves a good pun. I mean, not as much as Alan Wu from Amazing Race Asia, but, you know. Um, And did you hear about the trouble that this caused in uh, Turkey and Russia? Uh, I think I think the Georgia round, I know that comes a bit later is going to cause issues in Russia. But this round in particular, yeah, um, the Turkish government um, is just not going to air this episode on the station. I forget what the station there is called that uh, airs the amazing race over there. But they're just refusing to air the Armenia leg. Yeah, by the sound of things, they're going to just do what CBS were going to do with the Singapore leg in 25 and just do a two-minute recap at the start of the next leg of what happened. Yeah. And probably, you know, change the facts so that, you know, it, it doesn't make them look as as bad as it appears to be with this whole incident. And um, I did appreciate uh, Myrna giving uh, Bernie and Ashley the pep talk of them being able to overtake people by going level five on the treadmill. Yeah, I mean, with them, it's either you go level five or you go home. And what would have been a great addition for Charlotte and Myrna is if they had uh, Desmond, uh, that child, that airport uh, agent worker uh, during the near the end of uh, Mason Race 11, if he was able to uh, hang out with uh, Charlene Mirna as the third pit stop burrito for the lake. But that might have been too much of an inside joke for 
obsessive viewer, so I'm glad they just limited it to uh, Charlotte Mirna. So, next time, teams are going to Georgia, to Tbilisi to be precise, and the leg features chickens, worms, dancing, mud, dental procedures, wrestling, and one member of each team becomes a dictator, which obviously means that all the casual fans are going to be like, oh my god, Dana's such a dictator. Oh, Michael, I I know we've... I can't believe we left this part out, but uh, there's one other element to Tyler and Corey's prize. They they, they got us... Each got a signed copy of Binged. It's kind of funny that Tyler got to receive a copy of his own book, but that's what happened. I mean, everyone else on the season just looks up to them, so I can't say I'm surprised that... CBS obviously bought up a hundred bucks of uh, of binge. It would have worked better if it was like instead of the double express pass, it was just a double binge signing, so that they could have they they would have the books to keep for themselves, and then two more copies to give away to another team. So, who do you think is going to get eliminated next week? Ah, uh, I mean. Do we know if it's a speed bump for Bernie and Ashley, or is it the handicap again? Well, Phil didn't say that it was a speed bump, but they did also call the handicap last season a speed bump, so, you know, they obviously don't know what they're talking about as it is. Okay. So, anything else to say about this leg? Um, it was, I'm glad it was a self-drive leg. This was the first self-drive leg since, uh... Since probably Namibia in season 26, and uh, I thought the the price for Tyler and Corey was a bit excessive compared to, you know, like Kurt and Brody uh, when they won a leg that they only got a couple thousand dollars each, and same with Dane and Matt where their cash prize wasn't even aired. You know, uh, it, I guess they're just getting lucky with these prizes. The sort of the reverse Justin and Diana in terms of prize luck. Yeah, and uh, S- Scott. Wow, I mean, I, I still can't get over his cursing rampage. I mean, all have you seen the the comments on the Facebook page? But man, what a 180 for for Scott! I know everyone thought he was just the mild mannered doctor. So, thank you very much for listening to this Your Team Number podcast. You can join us in two weeks to actually recap episode six. Uh, if you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, which is Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account at RTV Warriors. Or on our own Twitter pages, at MJ Harmstone for me, and at LogSuperQuacky for Logan. I'd also like to give thanks to our good friend Wade Nelson for helping with this podcast. Uh, thank you very much, and goodbye. Hashtag RTV Warriors, hashtag 250, hashtag threesome, hashtag C-bomb, hashtag Charlene Myrna. Peace! Logan!